Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. We are just coming off of the 2020 Olympic Games and here to discuss what he saw and from his side on the broadcast station. Uh, today, we are talking to Olympic champion and sprinting icon, Cesar Cielo. Hey, Coleman. Thanks uh, for having me again. It's always a pleasure to, to be here with you. to talk to and uh like i mentioned you were you were behind the microphone this time around uh for tokyo you were broadcasting in brazil so let's let's start there can you take me through your week and just what what it was like being on the other side of these olympic games oh man it was it was hard it was hard because we did everything from from rio so we had to adjust the time change being in brazil so it was at the beginning was very tough because I did I didn't really know what to expect as far as the TV responsibilities and uh, man going live on TV is crazy because you don't know what's coming like it's like sometimes you're just there in a hotel and they were like okay you gotta get in in 15 minutes I was like oh my god man like, like my hair is looking crazy I just woke up like what's going on. So it's it's kind of it's different than we what we see on TV. But most of all, I think the harder part was was to get the times right, because I feel like my week got much better once I started sleeping during the day and kind of getting into the Tokyo time, even though I was still in Brazil. So I was working from like 1030 until 1 a.m., for the finals and then we started the we were starting the prelims around 7 a.m so but the tv people man they want us to to get there so early so they were getting me at the hotel around like 5 a.m sometimes like quarter to five and i was like i'm getting back to the hotel around 1 30 and i was pumped after the final man you can't sleep right and i was going to bed like i don't know like 2 30 or 3 a.m and sometimes getting up at five and but once I got that, that thing of not sleeping anymore at night and just going, you know, to bed after I was done with the prelims was much, much easier. I felt like my mood got better. The work, the workflow was much better. But uh, it was interesting, man. It was interesting to see the swimming from the spectator side and how crazy the 53 was. I, I don't remember, man, getting so nervous <laughs> like for a 53. I think I was more nervous before this 53 in the 100 freestyle than I actually was when I was swimming. So it was it, it was very interesting to, to be part of the of the broadcast and, and to learn from some of the, the best commentators here in Brazil. And man, it was like it was like being in the Olympic village of legends because we had so many guys there man like we, whenever we were going through to the to the studio like i saw the olympic gold medalist from the beach volleyball from the 96 olympics and then like two minutes later well i would see the i don't know the like the long distance like the distance jump champion from the beijing games so mm -hmm. it was like being in a, in a village with a with a bunch of retired athletes it was a lot of fun <laughs> That sounds great. Uh, and, and 
Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, a lot of fans or, or casual spectators don't realize the hours that covering an Olympic games takes. And like you said, you know, it's like the being, especially with the games being in Tokyo, it's just such a big time adjustment and, and you're, you're kind of all over the place. That was certainly my experience. You were staying up late and then waking up early and then trying to find some time to sleep during the day. It was, you know, it, it, it got better as the week went on, but those first few days were, were pretty yeah. rough and I was pretty cranky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just, you just started, you just start to get man rude with everybody because yeah. I mean, you're just not sleeping and man, we used a lot of makeup, man. It's, <laughs> I have to say this on the podcast, but it's true, man. We were looking like, like panda bears, like <laughs> at, the end, at the end of the week, like with our eyes all black. So it, it was hard, but I think overall it was it was amazing. I think we needed we needed this man. It was way too long uh, of a time without any like big big you know big major meets. So uh, it was interesting. It was fun to watch. It was fun to see fast swimming. And man, I, I feel I feel different now. I was like before the Olympics. You know, everybody was talking about you know everything that's going on in the world and. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like, man, we've done it. We're ready. We're learning how to live in the, in the current times with, the, with those problems that we have. But, man, it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun and very, very important for the sport. Agreed. I think, I think especially for those athletes, just getting, get, getting a taper meet, getting to perform on that biggest stage. Um, I mean, I, 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 I know you stay in shape. I know you stay in the pool. Did, did seeing that 50 free spark anything? Uh, it was hard, man, because I had to watch Bruno and mm. to, to see what he was going to do in the race. And at the same time, I'm not going to lie. I was watching Caleb and right. being like, Oh my God. But I said goodbye on TV both times before the hundred free. I was like, I told the TV, I was like, man, goodbye to my record. This is it. He's going to break it. And he didn't break it. So I was like, yeah. okay, I'm not going to be sad about it. Okay. I was like, I really believed he, he was going to break it. And then in the 53, I was like, okay, guys, again, second time. And this time everything's going to happen. And, uh, but it, it was an outstanding race. I don't know what he did in the first 25, man. It was probably the most explosive 25 in, in swimming history. When the, when the camera opened up, to see the around the 35 meter mark and i saw the record line on his shoulders i was like jesus man is it going 20.5 like what, what is going on in here and uh but i think in the end he he has he's i mean he still has a great shot you know to break that record anytime he wants and i think it was a very tough week for him i mean just leaving the 53 in the end man it's it's tough and he has a crazy schedule and he was the only one that swim all of those finals too i mean nobody else swam the 100 freestyle for that matter no we had so a few years ago we had so many guys doing the 50 and 100 free and now it seems like it's just a 50 for 95 percent of the final yeah. and uh and caleb i mean he still popped a great first 25 i think that was the most impressive part of the race for me because i thought he was going to be tired as a sprinter i saw his schedule and i was like oh man like i I don't know how uh, how I would swim that race because I like I felt like he was gonna be like just man just tired just uh, you know without any explosiveness and man he popped a, a great a great race twenty one oh seven and I think he had more 
if he had, you know, a couple of more days of rest. So very, very impressive. And I mean, his, uh, his Olympics were amazing, man. What, what can you, <laughs> what can you say? He swam a 47-0, 21-0 and a 49-4. And I, we can say it now, it was with a bad, not a bad turn, but not an ideal turn and not an ideal finish. So, man, he has a 49-1 inside <laughs> of him right now. Like, it, it's insane to think like that. Like, I, and I said that on the broadcast. I was like, man, the most impressive part of the 100 fly was he broke the record and he still has so much more. Like, he has a better turn and he has a better finish in him. So we saw that 49-0 in the relay. And I think he he can pop something like that with a flat start. Agreed. It's it's always fun seeing him on relays just because it's like, well, how much does a relay swing really help him because his start is so effective Correct. already? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, exactly. it's it's yeah. different than comparing most people, most most athletes who are like, okay, they definitely get that 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 full advantage on a relay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was tough to see, man. I'm not going to lie. It was tough to see him just anchoring the mixed relays. I, I really didn't get that that strategy that the U.S. coaches uh, wrote for that relay. It was like, it was something that I was like, man, what, like, what is going on? Like he, I mean, he's not going to catch seven seconds behind, you know, some other relays. And uh, it was interesting. And I think, you know, honestly, that's one of the, the, the things that kind of really disturb, you know, the the explosion that he kind of has in his body because every race, man, drains you down. You know? Every every race takes your energy out. And he went a 46.9. Like, I almost felt like it was for nothing. I was like, oh, man, I feel for him because there was nothing he could do. And I, I didn't understand why he didn't do the fly leg. And uh, But in the end, I mean, uh, he has to be, you know, very satisfied and very happy with his with his Olympics and uh, I mean the best the best swimmer in the Olympics by far and probably is going to be one of the, the biggest names of the entire games yeah I I obviously he had a big program and, and like you said every every swim takes something out of you right and and you you had big Olympic programs and you also competed in the NCAA where you would have you know I don't, like 13 events in three days or something um, and I'm curious as, as to how you handled schedules like that, where you were having so many swims in such a short time frame because you swam the same events as he did 50 free hundred fly hundred free. Um, and you know, and when you were doing it, you, you would break records often in a lot of those swims. Um, how, how did you manage having all those swims in such a short period of time? And, and what did you see from him as we, as we moved through these games? Well, as for me, I I would say like just following the routine that the schedule really that that you you just uh, write down with your coach and with your you know massage massage therapist and mm-hmm. and physical therapy it, it's very important. You gotta you have to get some rub downs. You have to use some compression boots. Everything that you can to to recover your body the the ncaa's were were harder because the meat is so fast Mm -hmm. but i think also the the races are shorter too i mean we're talking about 18 seconds in in well in caleb's case 17 but (laughs) but we're talking about 18 seconds in 40 and uh 
and yards is different too. I mean, short course is easier than long course when it comes to recovery. I always feel like, I always felt like the, the long course takes more out of your muscle and the short course takes more out of your lungs. Like it feels like it's, it's harder on the breath for the short course and it's harder on the body for long course. So long course, I mean, when I saw his schedule, I was like, man, like it, just trying to picture myself doing that. I was like, I don't know how he's going to handle like five days of straight up hundred percent sprints, like long course hundreds and, and relays and everything. And for me, it was just like, just getting that routine, like done all the time after the race is like, okay, just get as fast as you can out of the mixed zone, go to the massage, go to the ice tub, go to the, to the swim down pool, just get that stuff done and be careful with your eating too. What you're hydrating, how you're eating. That's very important too. And some of the, some of the meets like the, the Olympics and world championships, I, I, I would take with me some power bars and some fruits, like in the pockets of my jacket for, to the race. So, so I could eat while I was doing interviews. So it's like, okay, I don't want to miss any time. Like I'm going to be hydrated. I'm going to be eating something because before the race, we wait for, I don't know, like one hour and a half, two hours to, to race without eating anything. So we have a, a light body, nothing in our stomach. And so when, once the race was done, I was like, okay, I got to eat something. I got to, you know, hydrate well. I got to take care of my body. And those are the details that you have to be really careful because, you know, if you don't do that for, you know, three, four or five days, you know, after, you know, the second, third day, you're, you're going to start to feel more tired because you're not just, you're not taking care of, of, of your body in general. It just, it's not just the massage. It's not just the eye stuff, but you got to eat something too. So, uh, it's, it's really paying attention to every detail you can to, you know, just get your body ready. It's like, it's like almost working with a, with a machine, man. You gotta, you gotta look at your body like a car. Like, what do you need? You need gasoline. You need now, no, now you need to rest and just, you know, take care of the, you know, the, the other part. So it's, uh, it's looking at every detail you can and, and being very careful with the, with doing that stuff. So if you need to eat, find a way to eat, you know, don't wait for another 30 minutes after the race or until you get to the mix, until you get to the massage area or anything like that. You, you can get, you can go ahead and take care of those, those things uh, beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think we hear that a lot and I think there's probably a reason for it. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, you, you hear a lot of athletes, especially now talking about how the, the importance of that recovery, um, do you, do you feel like the, that doing those doubles, those back-to-back events in the NCAA format really helped you, helped you to be able to do, uh, doubles like that at, at a world championships or Olympic games? Not really, man, because the, the, the NCAA is, I feel like the more you compete, the better you get, because you start to work more on details, like turns and starts and they, they are so important in, in short course yards. Uh, I felt like it was all, all, almost like a different planet when we went to the long course world championship level. So it's, I mean, the, the schedule, the meet is completely different. The times and how much time it takes, you know, for you to get to the podium and how much the ceremony takes. So everything goes into account and, and it changes everything comparing to the NCAAs, but I mean, when you were younger, it's easier too. I felt like back in Auburn, I was, 
I don't know, 18, 19, 20 year old, the three years I swam there. And I swam a bunch of events until 2011 when I was 24. I, I really felt I started to get more tired as far as like losing my explosion when I was around 26, 27, 27 years old. I felt like Barcelona was the time where I felt like, honestly, like London was like, okay, this is too much. I can't do the 100 and the 50 straight up. Like I, I, I need a day or two, like of nothing. Like I need to, to get back to zero again. And that, that schedule for the sprinters is tough now because, I mean, you have the 100 fly, you have the 100 free, you have the 50 free, like in straight days. Mm -hmm. So they, they never get to really go back to the 100% of rest and, and just feeling fresh again and but somehow Caleb found a way man he found a way to manage all of those races because I mean he's racing Christoph Milak in the 100 fly I mean he was out of the two fly but he's a two flyer man so I don't know if he gets tired at all and then he raced Chalmers uh that I mean which was there just for the 100 freestyle and then he got a, those all of those 50 freestylers that were there just for the 50. So he was the only one just, you know, just going and crushing everything. So it was very impressive. And, and I think, you know, we just have to learn from him what he's doing after his races, how he's taking care of his leaping, because uh, he, he found a way to keep his body just fresher than, than we, we did in the past. So it's important, not just for the sprinters, for everybody else to, to keep, you know, that, that the routine and that body ready to go for you know an entire week of of of, of a meet yeah i i i will be excited to sit down with him at some point uh, <laughs> ho hopefully we get the chance to um speaking of the 50 free and you, you mentioned bruno he's the, the oldest guy to win his first olympic medal in swimming uh he got his bronze in the 50 freestyle I'm pretty, I, I think he has told me he's going to be done after this, but I don't, that's not official or anything, but, um, you know, what, what, what were your thoughts on, on seeing him win his first Olympic medal at, at 32? Uh, it was amazing, man. I mean, it was, uh, it was long overdue for him and he, he needed, he needed his career. It's almost, I can say his career deserved it because I mean, it was such a beautiful career uh, with three straight medals at world championships in long course. And I mean, he almost got one in, in London. He, uh, then he had back problems in 2016 for the real games. So, I mean, then the, 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 the COVID-19 started. So it was like, it was like, man, Oh my God, how much, how much more can you overcome to, to do what you want? And, and he found a way, man. So, uh, I'm, we are very proud of him on how, how he handled everything and, and on how resilient he was because he, he tried it, man. He tried his best. And in the end, it, it's a beautiful ending. It's a beautiful story. And, and I think now he can sleep <laughs> with a lighter head, man, like satisfied with his life and his career because that, that's what he wanted the most. And he swam a tough final with the, with the, fastest, with the fastest guy in the last, I don't know, four or five years. And an Olympic champion in lane five. So it's, it's always hard to be in that final. And, and he, he, he found a way to touch, you know, in the top three in the last five years. So we are very proud of him. And, and more than that, we're super happy for him, man. That's, that's what he, he wanted. And he worked his ass off to get to, get to, this, to this result.
Were there, were there any races that surprised you or, or anything just watching the races as opposed to, you know, being an athlete on deck in, in the meet? Uh, was there anything that surprised you about just getting to be on that other side or, or anything that stuck out for you? Well, what I've learned in the first, very first day, Coma, I can say that you, you kind of have to separate yourself from the swimmer on the deck to the person on the television because, you know, the emotions and the, the thoughts that we have sometimes are too technical for, for TV. And sometimes, I mean, when we're watching race on deck, it's like, oh, my God, you're just screaming and going crazy and you're talking to your friends and over there i had to kind of hold myself back a lot of times but some of the races were amazing man. the very first day that 400 freestyle i mean it was was that that was probably if i had to, to rank like the, the moments of swimming like the best moments of swimming i would say the 400 freestyles is probably up there what what a story from that from Mahmed. I mean, in lane eight, he was, I think, 16th or 17th before the Olympics started. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then we got it. We got to the to his Instagram account. The guy has one post. And I was like, man, what a beautiful story, man. I mean, this is a guy that is just like out of the social media. He's He had no chance before the Olympics, but, you know, he took advantage and, and he found a way to win. It was a beautiful moment. But if I had to say that the most impressive race of all, the one that, that really, is, is, I mean, it's still is stuck with me, man, is the 4 by 200 freestyle for the women's side. Oh, my God. What was that, man? I, I, it was beautiful executed. I mean, from start to finish, that, that was a, a lesson for, for, for us on how to swim release because... Well, I never got to swim the four by two, obviously, obviously but uh, it was beautiful to see the Chinese girls just getting, you know, get, they got the lead most of the time in the first 50, but you, you saw them holding back. It's like once you're leading the relay, man, you you turn on your rear view mirrors and mm-hmm. you control the race. You know, you, you throw your strategy away and you're just like, OK, this is a different game. Now, now it's about controlling the race. And all of them did that. I mean, we saw them leading in the first 50, then the Aussies and the Americans kind of getting into them in, in the 100 and in the 150, and then they would close hard in the last 50 all the time, every single one of them. So it was beautiful. It was, the execution was, was amazing, man. That, that race was one of those races that is just like, okay, this is, this is what it takes to be an Olympic champion, man, this kind of level. And all of the relays were we're about to break the world record too. So that the the level of you know the performance that race brought was was a different game for you know comparing to most of the races that we saw because I think some of the times that we saw some races were not too fast. But I, you know this is what happens <laughs> when you don't compete for a year. You know it's it's very hard to be there and after a year of almost nothing, you're behind an Olympic block. So it's tough, man. It's tough to, you know, just to be in that position. And uh, some people manage uh, way better than the others. And, and that really, man, that really was special. I think we're going to talk about the, the execution and how the Chinese girls did for a long time, because from start to finish, that race was theirs and it was beautiful. I'm so glad you brought that relay up. That was, I, I think, one of, if not my favorite race 
of the games for that reason, right? You, you had the heavy favorite in the Aus- Australian women um, who on paper just couldn't, couldn't lose. Um, and then, yeah, just China got out to an early lead and, and then every leg was just consistent, especially if you look at the splits on paper, China didn't have like, maybe their, 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 um, their lead off, but you know, they didn't have an insane split. Like we had Katie Ledecky's 153 that really got us, got the Americans into it, but, um, China was just super consistent and they, they maintained all the way through, but, but I hadn't thought of that point before is that what you said of once they got the lead, it was just like, okay, well, forget everything else. We're just keeping this. And, yes, uh, yeah. and, and looking back on it, you can really see how that played out with, with how they swam. Yeah, but imagining doing that when you see Ledecky two lanes <laughs> away from you. So, I mean, this is, it was like the four by two, but I think it was, I don't know if it was 2000 or 2004 when Cleet Keller got in the water mm-hmm. and Torp just came in the first 50 like a train and then he just held Torp back. So I was like, okay, now you, you might catch me in the first 50, but you know, I'm controlling the race. So it was beautiful, man. When I saw Ledecky, I'm going to be honest, I saw the, the underwater shot and I was like, did she forget it's a, it's a 200? I was like, oh my God, man, she went out like crazy. I was like, oh my God, is she going to speed level like a 150 or something? Because she was going fast. But I mean, she never dies anyway, man. She goes out fast. She comes back. It, it was it was a beautiful race, man. It was it was a, <laughs> a shame for the U.S. To, to not be able to catch it. But as for the Chinese, outstanding performance. Yeah, and and... Yeah. It's like, that's, that's a race where I, as, as a, as an American, like I can't even be mad. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We won silver (laughs) because it's like you have three teams under the world record and, and there was, there was so many lead changes and and it was such a surprising finish that it's just like, this was, this was a a great performance of athleticism (laughs) and just, just to get to witness it was, was magnificent. Yeah. Absolutely. I think one of the one other really that was interesting to me, and I, I was kind of cheering for the for the Canadian girls in the, in the four by one medley, because I mean they they had an amazing team too. On paper, they they really looked looked really good. But but the Aussies, man, I I really thought they were going to win all of the relays on the women's side, and they kind of you know missed the mark in the four by two. But I mean the, their team was way too good, man. The the Aussie girls in this Olympics were one step ahead of everybody. That's uh, they really were, and it's it's. Uh, I was telling someone, I think that I it, again from an American perspective, this makes it more fun for me. It, it's it's. <laughs> I don't think it's as it's as cool when you just have America coming in. And, and winning a bunch of medals and it's like, okay, yeah. yeah. It's like when you have re- like real powerhouses like Australia um, on the women's side, we had Britain on the men's side in the relays yeah. this time. It's like you, you, th- that are really pushing everyone to kind of elevate their top game. Then it's, then it's a lot more interesting to see because you don't know the outcome of the races. You know, it's like we had so yeah. many, um, Ariane versus Katie and Kaylee McEwen versus Reagan Smith and uh, you know Emma McKeon in, in everything she swam. <laughs> yeah, like, there, she, was, she was the other one with a crazy schedule, man. What a 
what what a crazy career she's had. I mean, now she's she's the biggest Australian swimmer, you know, as far as Olympic medals and it's it's amazing. What what she's done in Tokyo is it's remarkable. And it, it and it's cool because um you know, obviously now she will stand out because she won seven Olympic medals in one games, the most that I think that she tied for the most of any one. I think she tied games. for the most. She she passed that German from the 80s, the, the girl that won six medals, I think, Christine Yoto, mm-hmm. I think is her name. But I think she tied with the like with the most from the women's side. So she's the yeah. the new Michael Phelps of swimming. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And and but then you look at her track record from like the last four or five years, and it's like she's done that at, at yeah. most other meets, <laughs> like yeah. world championships, Commonwealth Games, Pan Pacific game or champs. It's like she's been doing that. So to see it build yeah. up to that and then to see her get that uh, pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the, if I had to say like one thing that I saw from her that was probably one of the most important things was her consistency, man. He just, she, I mean, she just did not swim. There was, there was, I, I, I try, I'm trying to remember one race, even for the prelims, she did not swim bad one time. All of her races were super consistent, super, you know, with a technique, beautiful, beautifully executed. Her freestyle, man, was, I mean, the, the underwater shots, you could see the body position. You could see the head position looking at the bottom of the pool. Like when, whenever she, she was taking a breath, like everything was just in such a harmony. And that 23-8 was one of those races where you just, it was beautiful to see because, like I, I didn't see any mistakes in it, and it's one of those races that you're just like, oh my god, man! Like this is, this is a class. Like I'm sitting here and I'm like, she's teaching us how to swim because technique, you know, her technique was beautiful. Her freestyle was was on point, man. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agreed. I mean, the I did after seeing her hundred fly, which was you know. Again, I think it just got overshadowed a little just because she didn't touch first. But you know, it's like, oh, she had it. She had a really good swim in that. But it's like it was the best time. It's right on the world record. So it's like you kind of knew she was on form. But then after a few relay swims, getting to see her individual hundred and fifty, it's like, oh man, that, that that those were, you know, she almost got better as the meet went on. Yep. Yeah. Somehow, man. Somehow, I don't know how those sprinters are doing nowadays, man. <laughs> They're finding ways to recover well, and they're keeping, you know, that, that explosion for, for almost the entire week. So uh, I think, you know, it's, it was remarkable for her, for the Australian swimming. And, and she, she's going to be forever remembered, you know, as, as the girl that won seven medals in, in one edition of the Olympic Games. Yeah. So, so one question I have for you is uh, in Beijing in 2008, I'm pretty sure they also did finals in the morning. Um, so from, from your perspective, um, what was that like just, you know, having that flip-flopped competition schedule and did you see that play? Did you see anything play out, um, you know, having prelims at night and finals in the morning at this meet? I think it was, it was pretty obvious where that we saw the swimmers got better, you know, once the meet started, I mean, the very first, I mean, the second, the first and the second days, we saw sometimes in the prelims and we were like, okay, you know, the games are on, people are swimming fast 
And then we saw a lot of races where they swim, you know, slower in the in the semifinals. And I was like, man, I, you know, it was interesting because I was like, man, what's going on? Like some of the times we're slower than the prelims. And, and I remembered, I was like, oh, my God, it's just because I'm doing the finals here in Brazil at night. I was like, I forgot it's Tokyo, man. And it, 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 it's tough, man. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that in Beijing, like it was hard to go to bed. It was tough to go to sleep thinking that you had to wake up. And, and when I, like, it's something that, you know, your competitive side wants to just take over when it comes to, to those meets. And you kind of want to wake up and ready to go. But, I mean, we're human beings in the end. And we're going to wake up, you know, kind of drowsy and, you know, just sleepy. And it's going to take, you know, one or two hours for you to, to get back to normal. But that's that was the fight for me in Beijing, man. Whenever I woke up, like I turned off my alarm and I was like, oh my God, man, I'm not ready. I'm so sleepy. Like this is gonna be bad. But just because we put so much pressures in, on ourselves, but I, I I honestly think it does disturb the performance a little bit. I, I believe most of us, of course, there, there are a few swimmers that will say that they swim faster in the morning, but you know, out of the hundred percent of, of the swimming community, I would say maybe 80% or more can say they will swim fast, faster at night. And I mean, but this is, this is how, you know, professional sports are. You got to, you know, adapt and adjust to, to what's presented to you. And in the end, you, you want to touch first. I mean, when it comes to the Olympics, you know, breaking world records is cool and all, but you know, like the, the 400 guy from, uh, where is he from? Or Tunisia? Like, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he doesn't care if he wins. <laughs> if he had done 349, he would not care, man. I mean, it's touching first that matters when it comes to the Olympics. Now he can go back to his country and maybe break a world record in a state meet. I don't know. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, but it, it is it is tough to, to wake up because your mind starts to just, you know, look for answers and ways for you to perform. And your body's just not ready. It's just it's just how it works. And in the end, you just really gotta you know pay attention to your schedule and and really plan when to wake up, when to wake up, when to go to the warm up pool. You know everything you're gonna do because it's it's different than the night. The night, it, at least for me, I feel way more ready than than in the morning. And I, I think some of the races that we saw would would have been faster if they were with the finals at night mm -hmm. i one interesting thing that got brought to my attention um and i, I kind of want to get your take on this is that uh one athlete said i kind of like the morning finals because like in in that um i get to wake up and then just immediately it's go time and i don't have to wait around all day you know maybe swim prelims but then I don't have to wait around all day and just kind of twiddle my thumbs and then wait for finals. And then finally, okay, now, now it's go time. Yeah. Yeah. I can see, I can see that Coleman, but at the same time you had the, the last day, I mean the entire afternoon to do nothing. That's the thing. You had the semifinals in the morning, the previous day, then you have lunch. And I remember that in Beijing and I, like I, I went to have lunch after the semis in the 53, man, I, I don't know what I ate, honestly. Like <laughs> I, I did not taste anything. I was just there, and man, I like my spirit. My my thoughts were so far away because, I mean, I was qualifying to the final in lane four, and 
Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I had a chance to win. And I mean, it was tough to wait until the nighttime for me to go to bed and, to, you know, to do everything. And so it, it, it's kind of the same thing. It's just the way, you you know, some of the swimmers will see. And But in the end, you have to wait for the race. You have after the semis, you have to wait for, for the final. And if it is going to be in the morning, because I remember, in, you know, in some other, some other meets, even world championships, like in Rome, where the finals were like, I don't know, like 5 or 6 p.m., something like that. And we had to wait all day for it. I mean, you wake up, you go to breakfast, and you were already nervous. This is how, how it goes. I mean, not that you're super nervous, but you feel, you know, like a cold stomach and like a little couple of butterflies flying like the entire day. But I felt the same thing in Beijing. I felt the same thing the day before the final. And uh, for me, I didn't see much uh, much difference when it when it came like to the to the schedule. But as far as like the, I, I think it's better that the spread out for three days for each race because it it lets the sprinters take more time between races. But it also makes it it almost makes it hard, man, because. I mean, every race takes three days out of you. So you're going to be swimming fast for, I don't know, six or seven days straight. So, you know, each situation is different and you have to adjust in the end. You just got to go for a best time and find a way to do it. <laughs> that that was another interesting part is that, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't put together until I think after the meet had already ended that it is over the course with, with, with night prelims and morning finals it is over the course of three days it's like prelims yeah. on night one and then semis on day two on morning two and then finals on morning three um, yeah is, is that I, obviously you just said it you, you just got to find a way to, to to put it together but um that that is a point that i hadn't hadn't even thought about until yeah. just now really yeah and also man for the i mean i'm thinking now about mckeon and and caleb because and well in ledecky and the the people that's that that won a bunch of medals i think the hardest part when it comes to those to that schedule is that you get out of the the finals in the morning with your medal you're pumped man i mean after i mean you won a race you, you went to the podium you were crazy i mean you just have energy for days mm -hmm. and you have to have lunch and you have to kind of rest as much as you can because you have prelims right after that so it's almost like i felt that in beijing for the for the prelims of the 53 i felt like i, I didn't leave the pool like i was just i i, I never left you know after the podium in the 100 I was kind of just blinked my eyes and I was like, okay, I'm in the pool again. And because it's so much, man, it, it's so much goes into to that to that moment of the ceremony, and you're just get, just finishing your final. You're just man, you're ready to go, man. You're ready to I don't know, jump from the you know the diving pool, screaming like crazy because you won a medal, and all of a sudden it's just like, okay, I got to rest because I have to swim again. So it's a tough schedule and, and it's interesting to see how well those swimmers performed. And even for the 2008 Beijing, I mean, how Michael did it too, because I mean, his schedule was with a 4 a.m. 200 butterflies. So it's, uh, it takes a lot of the, the mental side because you start to, to fight with yourself. Like, Oh my God, you, you need to rest right now. And, and you can't, you can't rest. And then you start to fight with your head. Like, Oh my God, I'm not resting. Oh, I'm going to swim bad tonight. And just like no, no, I'm gonna swim well. I'm gonna swim well. I'm I'm just gonna rest. 
oh my god, I can't wrestle. So you, you keep yourself <laughs> in that fight. It's it's insane, man. And, and but you know you you, you got to control a lot, what you can control and, and respect your body a lot. In the end, this happens if the finals are in the morning or at night. But when they're in the morning, you know that thing of having the entire afternoon where just ready to go. It's not easy to man. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it. I don't envy anyone who has to make that switch. Um, but again, Cesar, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and, and offer us your expertise and give us the insight yep. look on, uh, on the athlete's perspective and on the broadcaster's perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a pleasure, man. We, we, I mean, for, I think for us in the end, it was, uh, we had a, a great Olympic Games for the swimming team. Uh, of course, we we could have you know had better races as like the the four by one freestyle. The four by one hundred freestyle was tough for us, but the two hundred freestyle individual with with Fernando was in, it was crazy, man. And I remember just sitting down with Gustavo Gustavo Borges, and he was working in the same TV channel as me, and uh, we saw the final, and uh, we saw the psych sheet, and we we're like. Like, man, he's going to get bronze medal here. And I saw him, he was like, oh, my God, I'm thinking the same thing. Like, the race is open. Like, we don't see, like, a, a big name like, you know, Dressel or Adam Petey or, you know, McKeon. Or, like, we saw the 200 freestyle. Like, okay, those are great swimmers. But there's not a lion here. There's not a <laughs> – there's nobody that is completely dominating this race. So, it's like – if he does swim well, he swim on 145-0 in the prelims. Like, he has a 144 in him. If he goes a little bit faster, in, that should be enough. And he took advantage of having that crazy Korean guy in lane seven. Man, that guy flipped a 49-7 in the 100. I saw that, you know, like on TV. That, that was the only joke I did on TV. I was like, I can do that. I don't know if I can come back in the second 100. <laughs> like, but... A forty-nine-seven on my feet, like I can do that for sure. So, <laughs> but it was it was an amazing final too, man. Where four or five swimmers were all together in the end, and for us, we 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 are happy, especially with the open water result and uh, Anna Marcella winning it the ten k. So uh, we are we are in a good position now, man, and we are very pleased that the games actually took place and and happened because it was important for the swimmers important for the sport and and i hope man as a as a society we see this as a as a as a way to kind of you know just start talking about other things too and see it you know that you know everybody's trying to work because uh, swimmers and, and coaches everybody lost friends and family members and uh, during this this covid pandemic and uh some people are talking like, oh man, this it's tough to see like such a such an event. It's like a, a like a celebration of the sport. I was like, man, you know, they're like any other businessman. But this is our business. This is how we do business. We swim fast. We go to the pool and swim fast. And everybody went through a very tough time, a very hard time during that last year. And and they deserved it, man. The the swimmers, especially the swimmers, they deserve to swim. They deserve to compete. And, and it was beautiful to see a lot of swimmers just reaching their their dreams. And now, man, we we have only three years to to Paris, so it's gonna go by very fast. Dude, that's that's right. Just three years to Paris, which I'm excited to see 
we've already seen how the five-year <laughs> Olympic yeah. quad plays out. So I'm excited to see how this three-year Olympic quad plays out with with back-to-back -back world champs, and then obviously the games following it. So we'll 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 have to bring you on again to as as it unfolds and, and get your expertise then. <laughs> For sure, man. It would be a pleasure. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.